Hello and welcome to the Real Friends Who Read Books podcast, where my friends and I force each other to read books we wouldn't typically read, because that's what a book club is all about. I'm your host, Courtney, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Erica and Mary Page. Every other week, we'll dive into one of our picks, exploring the themes and characters and whatever else comes along the way. You know, like a book club, but without the snacks. This is Real Friends Who Read Books. These are my real friends, and we've got some books to read. Let's get to it. This week, we'll be discussing the first novel in the Great City series, The City We Became, written by award-winning science fiction and fantasy author N.K. Jemisin. Buckle up, friends, we're stepping into another dimension. So, I'm going to read the back cover summary. Every great city has a soul. Some are as ancient as myths, and others are as new and destructive as children. New York City? She's got six. But every city also has a dark side. A roiling, ancient evil stirs in the halls of power, threatening to destroy the city and her six newborn avatars unless they can come together and stop it once and for all. Uh, okay. So... When this story began, I found myself completely lost and confused, just like Manny. So I was curious how you guys felt. Was this a slow burn or did you quickly go through it? Did you have similar experiences as myself? Well, (laughs) I definitely struggled. It took me like three weeks to finish. I had to switch over to audiobook (laughs) just to help me imagine everything. It was a struggle. Um, I have mixed feelings about this book in general. I really loved how fun her writing was and was blown away by the deeper meanings and themes of the book, but I was also a little underwhelmed with the actual story itself. I felt like I was losing interest um, in general, and I feel like some parts were kind of more drawn out, and I think if it was condensed, I would have liked it more. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel parts of that. This was sort of a both and for me. In the beginning, I was really struggling to get the hang of it and really capture my attention. But once I figured out that I was supposed to feel vaguely lost along with the characters, I really got into it and I couldn't put it down. So a slow burn at first, but it really picked up towards the end. Yeah, this was definitely a slow burn for me. Um, I found myself questioning my intelligence level at certain points, and I had to reread a lot of portions of the book, which was frustrating. Was frustrating for me. It was like um, it was like a mushroom trip where time is warped a little bit. But I that very well could have been intentional, and if it was, it was done really well. Uh, I was wondering if you would read something else that this author has written. Maybe. Um, I guess it (laughs) depends if she's strictly a fantasy genre writer because I have realized it's not my jam. So if so, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) That feels like a no. Hard no (laughs) from you. (laughs) I mean, I loved her writing. It was very fun, um, but I just lack the imagination for fantasy in general. So, I don't know. I can see that. It's just I, not your thing. I think once you, I, yeah, I think once you step into multi dimensional stuff, even for me, who someone who loves sci fi and fantasy, you're, 
it's kind of pushing my imagination. So I can 100% uh, respect that, especially for someone who doesn't typically like fantasy <laughs> in sci-fi. <Yep. laughs> yeah, if you had asked me this question before we had started this book, would have been a hard and fast no. Absolutely. Now... She's softening my opinion on fantasy and sci-fi, so I would consider another book in the genre, but only if it's authored by her. <laughs> Kidding, but maybe Did you not. hear that, N.K. Jemison? I Aww. hope you're listening, because Erica <laughs> is a convert, thanks to you. <laughs> she is now a fan. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I I loved her writing style, and I'm really looking forward to reading some of her other other books, just because... I want I want to see what else she does outside of this dimensional stuff. I think I will really, really, and I will really enjoy it. Um, Are you gonna read her other the other books to the series? Ooh, that's a good question. I think I kind of have to now. I'm really bought in. I I fell in love with the characters enough that I really need to see where this story goes. Will you be assigning them for this podcast? <laughs> no. Yes, that's. <laughs> That that needs to be known. <laughs> if N.K. Jemison directly asks us, I will absolutely. <laughs> Otherwise, yes. well, then we have then we have to. <laughs> Otherwise, I will not subject you to that, Mary Page and Erica. Okay, thank you. <laughs> what about you guys, though? Do you are you gonna follow along with this the rest of this story, or just have me distill it for you in a? email yeah just tell me yeah just tell me what it's about and the deeper themes because i like i like the concept of it so you can just give me all the good information (laughs) we'll forward you the highlights so a large part of this uh this story are the the characters and the boroughs that they represent so i kind of wanted to do a little bit of a rapid fire like discussion not a discussion i just wanted your first impressions or the lasting impressions that you had from these different characters um so i'll start with new york who is the primary avatar mary page essential dark and mysterious i said unique and bold uh okay the next one is manny who is the avatar for manhattan mary page mysterious i longer description here fierce and moody with a dash of amnesia (laughs) yes 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 (laughs) I shortened it back up to just intense. Manny <laughs> was an you. intense fellow. <laughs> he was. Okay, so the next avatar we have is Brooklyn, who is from Brooklyn. Mary Page. Badass boss bitch. Yeah. Honestly, an icon. Love it. I said powerful with a capital P. What about Padmini, who is our avatar for Queens? Don't really know enough about her, but she seems cool. And then I also saw that Erica put smart, and I want to add, <laughs> steal her answer and add that. Okay. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um. Thank you for stealing my thunder. She's smart. Duh. And then a little bit guarded, but I wish I knew more of her. I want to know more of her story. Me too. I can't wait to see what else, or what she does in the other books. Uh, the next character we have is Bronca. Who is the avatar for the Bronx? Mary Page. One tough cookie. I think she's the anchor. Yes. She's like the office mom. She's holding the group together. Yes. Office mom. (laughs) That's exactly what she is. She's the office mom. I said guarded, but a ride or die. Perfect. 
Um, the next we have is Vanessa, who is our surprise avatar for Jersey City. Mary Page. Coolest of them all. Unsung hero. And I said unfazed because she just went with the flow <laughs> the whole time. I wish I could be more like that. <laughs> Honestly. I know. I think that's why I liked her so much is because I'm very much not a go with the flow person. Same. I want to, I like pretend that I am. I keep trying to trick myself into thinking I'm a chill girl. But no matter how many times I try this experiment, time and time again, I prove I am not a chill girl deep down. <laughs> Stop trying. I am who I am. Yes. Oh, I feel but that. She's very inspirational. Like, that is something I aspire to. Yes. Yes. Um, okay, our next character is Island of Staten Island. Sheltered, privileged, white women's tears. She's in a white bubble. Also, a bubble baby is fun to say. <laughs> I've never heard that. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> um, okay, so the next character is the woman in white also her her real like her real name is Ralea I think that's how you say it um she's an eldritch god so Mary Page ew (laughs) white supremacy baby I just put yikes yikes because yikes Mm. (laughs) um and then i lumped these two together sao paulo in hong kong those are both avatars of other cities that have already been born uh what do you got bossman business daddy (laughs) i'm really sorry i had to they feel very new corporate to me i had to do it i like that a lot (laughs) when i saw when i saw that i i (laughs) <laughs> I can't beat business daddy, so I'm not even going to freaking try. I want a shirt that says business daddy now so bad. <laughs> I would wear that. It would be my favorite shirt. I want it on everything. I want it a, a cell phone case, a bag. I want to see business daddy everywhere. <laughs> I want a bookmark. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Moving on. Uh, Sorry, I'm I'm still on business, Eddie. I got it. So continuing the the theme of the characters of this book, um, I thought it was very interesting. I watched an interview that N.K. Jemisin had done for the Vox Book Club. Uh, and she had said that she that each borough has a representation of both the cultural history of the boroughs as well as the outside world's perceptions of them. And I was wondering if you thought that she was successful in doing this, like what your thoughts were on that. Um, yes, I would. I would say so. I think the part that was very cool about this book, the thing that I really liked, was her idea of having the city have a soul or like a vibe and having each borough have their own diverse identity but also having the avatars kind of work on overcoming their stereotype types to come together and fight i love that that ditto to all of that i would say that i only have limited personal experience with new york and i have never visited 
Hong Kong or Sao Paulo, but it feels like she did a good job of pulling those, like, threads of authenticity through in those Avatar character development throughout the whole story, and I would really love to know more about their background, so it feels like she really nailed it there. I agree with I agree with everything that you guys say down to the fact that I've never been to New York. So my perception of each borough kind of aligns dead on with what she had done, especially with Manhattan, because it's such a known when you think of New York, you if you're outside of New York, you automatically think of Manhattan and to have like a racially ambiguous, intense person, it it fits for it fits for me at least yeah that feels really on brand yes it does who was your favorite character and who did you relate to the most I really liked Bronca because I feel like she was a more complex character very sassy as well so I feel like I really looked forward to her parts in the story the most um I also obviously really liked Vanessa because <laughs> I wish I could be like her and more go with the flow and she's the bomb. Um, unfortunately, I think because I am a white woman, I relate most to Island, which really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I mean, I definitely don't agree with any of her actions. Mm-mm. I personally loved Brooklyn and Bronca throughout the entire book and I feel like I really loved them for the reasons of really respecting and admiring a woman who knows her worth, sets boundaries, and really holds them, and just fiercely shows up for the people that they love. And I think we saw that in those characters. And regrettably, as far as who I think that I probably relate to the most, similar to Paige, it's probably Island. I mean, self-awareness here, also a white woman. Um, And there was definitely that moment at the end there where you know, not to spoil the ending, but it's a book club, sorry folks, where (laughs) everyone's waiting on her to make the right decision and kind of pull through for the group, and she ultimately chooses not to. I found myself having this instinct of white saviorism kick in, of wanting her to pull through and save the day, before I sat back and thought, we don't need that. Like, we do not need her to be the hero here. So, regrettably, I connect with her the most, so we've got some work to do. Yes. (laughs) Yes. But I love, but I love the message that really through the ending of, you know, like even when somebody that you expect to be an ally really disappoints you that there's still a way to overcome and that, you know, if your ally sides with your oppressor, you can sometimes find support in unexpected places. So I think that that's still pretty beautiful. I agree. (laughs) So my favorite character was Vanessa in, in Brooklyn, um, because they're both badasses in their own ways. Uh, Vanessa, her, just her character and her, her character arc was so exciting for me. Because like when you're reading it, you aren't expecting what happens to happen. And it's such a surprise. And you really want her to stick around. So the fact that she does and she ends up being the one that saves everything. And it comes, comes in in the time of need is so exciting. I would say I really, obviously I relate to Island just like you two because I'm also a white lady and, you know, all of, all of what comes with that. I also feel like I relate to Bronca a bit. Um, she, yes. <laughs> I, <laughs> I was very frustrated yep. with Bronca. I, I was, I didn't, I honestly didn't like this character as much, which I find funny. 
Um, and then I realized it's because I relate to her because she's incredibly guarded. I, at the, the whole time, I'm like, dude, just let your guard down. They want they want to work with you. Work with. And then I'm like, oh boy, that's that is me in a in a nutshell. So, yeah. Did it feel like looking in a mirror? It did. Honestly, it's still kind of stuck with me, and I. It might uh, shake things up for me. I'm. I might try to be a little, a little less guarded, maybe. Oh, <laughs> personal growth. You love to see it. Yes. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's probably why I liked Bronco because <laughs> you're my sister and <laughs> it reminded me of you. Oh, that's <laughs> even sweet if it took me like 18 years. <laughs> you to let your guard down with me (laughs) it happened eventually (laughs) a slow burn if you will yes i apologize to anyone who has tried to be my friend and i have rebuffed them (laughs) and appreciate those who stuck around (laughs) as and continue to try i really appreciate your friendship (laughs) that's to you too because there's not many else out there (laughs) I'm honored. <laughs> um, moving on. There are a lot of hidden metaphors and themes within this book. Um, and I was hoping we could discuss the parallels between the way the viral-like tendrils work their way through the city and how gentrification slowly takes over a city. Um, and I was wondering how you guys felt about this. Oh, God. The tendrils. <laughs> I felt so stupid because I had no idea what tendrils were and (laughs) they were freaking everywhere I was like what is this and I didn't figure it out until halfway through I didn't think like hey maybe I should freaking look this up nope I just kept going (laughs) until like halfway through so (laughs) you could always there's that you could always text and text us and ask too I mean we're reading a little. You know, I felt you. silly because it, it looks like a word that, like, I should know. So I was just like, it's fine. I'm just going to go over Have it, act of, like I know it. Have you heard of the internet? <laughs> yeah. That's I went so far, like, in that I was kind of like, do I even go back now or do I just keep going? So it was one of those. Eh. Sometimes but anyways. <laughs> so... The gentrification thing kind of went over my head at first, and I'm really lucky to have Courtney and Erica in my life to help educate me on what exactly it was. I've I've heard the topic topic before, but I didn't actually know what the term was, so that was really nice that they kind of like really went over that with me a different at a different time. Um, but this quote is from the author, and I feel like it kind of correlates pretty well. Let me know what you guys will think. Um, So she said, the constant theme throughout my work is that there are societies that could be great and that aren't because people got to be (laughs) a-holes. There are self-sustaining systems at work which discourages people from working together and doing what is good for all. We can stop this, but it has to be a choice. I absolutely love what you're referencing in that quote about self-sustaining systems at work that discourage us from working together. I think that is so, so true. And I think we see it at play all the time. And just so often these systems are designed to be hard for us to spot unless we're looking for them. And works is designed. That's how they were built. 
but we can't actually enact any meaningful kind of change in our societies until we first, you know, step back and take inventory of all of the ways in which we're being held back. And I think that she did a a beautiful job of laying it out in this book and representing it with the tendrils. So I really loved this metaphor as a way of kind of illustrating how gentrification slowly creeps in and really suffocates a community until it eventually really just pushes those original residents out. And so it's like one of those things that can really feel almost invisible at first until it's grown so large and it feels so unstoppable that you look around and there's a new development popping up everywhere. And it's something that we've seen happen a lot in Nashville. And so it's really interesting to have lived in a city that's really in the middle of struggling with trying to figure out how to solve this. So Mm -hmm. I love that, that quote. I think it's really insightful. If if anything, I think what's great about this book is that it brought the awareness of this because I feel like it is important for people to know about and my you know myself I had no idea so it's just nice that in reading this I had a, a better awareness now. Yes, I agree. Yeah this this book was it enjoyable. I mean I really did enjoy it uh, despite the dimension stuff that felt like it was over my head. Um, but it did, it brought an awareness to things that I don't typically think about because I don't see it necessarily in my day to day, unless like Erica said, you're actively looking for it. Um, and now even I've been house hunting and half of the houses that we're looking at, they're these cookie cutter houses. They're right next to each other. They have zero character. And we, we actually looked at one today and sure it's nice, but it doesn't, it feels like what these tendrils kind of represent. Um, yes, that's exactly it. In Nashville, there's a lot of like people tearing down those original houses and putting up like all of these tall skinnies or like my old neighborhood. Now there's all these Starbucks, and I'm like, what about the fabulous coffee shop down the street that makes those great cream cheese cookies? Like, are they going to go out oh. of business? There's a Starbucks next to them now, and it just makes me so sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's frustrating. It's frustrating to see, and um, it's I'm sad that I did. I mean, I've I've sort of been aware of it, but I didn't I didn't really start becoming aware of it until we read this. It's just a bunch of Applebee's, guys. It's just a bunch of Applebee's, mm. which is exactly what it is at my by my house. It's terrible. <laughs> chains, chains, chains. All the chains. Um. So N.K. Jemison actually had not intended for this story to come out when it did. The release date was actually pushed back a year for unforeseen circumstances. But there are a lot of parallels, speaking of these tendrils, there are a lot of parallels between how the COVID pandemic and the virus that the tendril virus that the woman in white has unleashed. So I was wondering if we could discuss that a little bit, this this parallel that we're seeing and how, how crazy it is that she had not even intended for that. Yeah, I can't believe that um, she wrote the book like two years ago. Like that's that's crazy to me. Right. I got so excited when I saw this question on the list here. Like I would say that this is some prophetic shit, but it's really more just white people paying attention finally, to things that communities of color have been saying for years now. And anyways, um, for those of you who don't know, listeners, 
I am a bit of a healthcare nerd. I spend an inordinate amount of time reading healthcare trade media. So I'm very, very plugged in to the topic of healthcare inequality in the United States and how it is playing out over the past year. And so I've been watching how social determinants of health impact racial and ethnic minority groups. And it's everything from putting them at increased risk of catching the virus because of the jobs that they're working to reducing their access to quality care if they do get sick, all of the way down to vaccine inequality and how the vaccines have been rolled out. So it really just highlights all of these existing flaws in our system. And the parallels are just so hard to ignore. But the fact that we were reading this book as a pandemic is actively going on was really mind-blowing to me. Yeah, I got really excited. I love healthcare. Health. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That was just, that's so, that's sweet. (laughs) I love healthcare. I don't know what's wrong with me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great though. Yeah, it just goes to show, like you said, how deeply rooted the, the systematic problems that this country has are. And it's really bringing it to, it's just really brought it to light. And I really hope that people are noticing and things changes are on on the horizon um because i'm sick of it so i cannot even imagine how what it must be like to be a person of color i honestly um i don't that was not a full fully formed thought but that's just because i i have no words (laughs) i have no words we've trailed off (laughs) I might just cut that part, you know, and leave it where it was. Okay. But, like, I feel like you. Like, yeah. as I learn all of this stuff, I, like, want to say something that feels appropriate to the scale of all of these problems. And truly, there are no words. Like, they genuinely do not exist at the scale at which society is failing these people. Yes. So, like, we need to step up and turn it around because, wow, this is unacceptable collectively as a culture. Ag- agreed yes. wholeheartedly. Agreed wholeheartedly. Maybe I will leave that in. <laughs> So before we go, I was curious if you guys had any other cities that you thought were going to be born within this series, or if you had any cool characteristics you see for some cities, or if you yourself feel like you would were born as an avatar, who would you be? So I put, you know, like Chicago or L.A. because I'm just thinking of very populated cities that when you go there, it already has like a vibe and a soul to mm-hmm. it. Um, And then I guess kind of going off of what she was doing, she was kind of putting stereotypes um, on what the outside world sees on them so i'm picturing like chicago like a like a rich businessman or like a fashion designer or an artist and then la i'm picturing rich celebrities or an upcoming actor or influencers Mm -hmm. i don't know what you guys think with those (laughs) no i i can totally what i can totally see um la being an influencer would make make it interesting for sure. Or a mm-hmm. podcaster. There's so many of those oh, now. Oh, look at that. <laughs> Honestly, I would love to hate that avatar. And along with that, I would also love to hate San Francisco as an avatar mm-hmm. in a silly little tech bro Patagonia vest. I think that would be delightful. <laughs> and a real 
just avatar for something that a lot of folks are kind of fed up with right now with big tech. That seems like it'd be really satisfying and cathartic for all of us. Yes. But I digress. Um, also, would love to see Florida in some capacity. I, th- I don't know what city. I'm going to keep that open because there are so many ways that that could go mm-hmm. because Florida is Florida. But, man, there would definitely be gators involved in some capacity. <laughs> so many directions you can run within that one. <laughs> I instead just... of tendrils <laughs> yeah we got gators instead of gators. tendrils gators. that is <laughs> that's terrifying that and a bunch of mickey mouse ears wow mm, yep i need to see florida so yeah the, that, that is what i would fun. love to see coming up the mm-hmm. avatar mm-hmm. the avatar then... works for disney you know as one of the character actors oh, the poor they're there the on a disney friend. internship yes <laughs> they're doing the disney internship no. Yes. <laughs> I have so many friends who have done that. That's exactly what it is. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then as for me personally, y'all know it's got to be Nashville. So mm-hmm. much love for Nashville. It is the one city that really feels like home. And it also has so much character that the outside world doesn't see. Nashville has such big stereotypes that people put on it of honky-tonks and things. And, you know, like cowboy boots. And people think that it's like where the worst people from your high school go for their bachelorette. But it is so much more than that. I mean, it's that too, but it's also so much more than that. So I think I'd be Nashville. Aw. I think you would be a great representation for Nashville. I think they would be proud to have you. Thank you. Um, let's see. Okay. I I was thinking, well, I'm, I'm living out near Portland. So for me, I feel like Portland's avatar may potentially smell like patchouli oil. If, if we're going off of stereotypes, mm-hmm. they may, mm. may potentially be vegan or at least really care about the organic nature of their food, that kind of stuff. Although there's, I'm throwing no shade to Portland because Portland's weird and quirky and I love it. Um, it would be super cool if I could be Portland, but I highly doubt that I would be. For me, <laughs> watch me end up being like Cleveland, Ohio or something like that. I'm from Michigan, so that is the funniest thought. <laughs> I that's hilarious. I think I'll go with you on that one being Cleveland, Ohio because I honestly can't think of what I would be. Better yet, Toledo. Okay. Yes, that's exactly Take that Cleveland. Because I'm not even I'm not even like cool or hip enough to say I would be an avatar for Detroit. Detroit deserves a like a Bronca, you know, and mm-hmm. I. <laughs> we're not cool. You enough. would be Toledo. No. We're Toledo. We're Toledo. <laughs> oh, that's funny. This was fun. Okay, so now we're gonna wrap things up with our one sentence summary. If Mary Page would like to go first, you mean paragraph? <laughs> yeah, in this case, a paragraph. <laughs> For me. (laughs) Though I discovered the fantasy genre is not my jam due to my lack of imagination, I finally figured out around page 250 or so that this book is about the city borough avatars coming together to protect the soul of the city, aka the primary avatar in which I'm still unsure if he has a name, against racism, also known as the woman in white, the ghost in the bathroom stall, the X-shaped spider thing, or the monster in the pool the random feathery tendrils, I don't know, by using their strange superpowers that I still don't fully understand. 
For someone who didn't understand the book, that was such a descriptive summary. (laughs) Oh, God. I have to say. Seriously. (laughs) Yeah. To follow that up, I've got White Supremacy Ruins the Party Again, but this time make it sci fi. <laughs> it's so, that's so that's perfect quick and to the point and exactly it yes um mm-hmm. mine is it's not funny it's just <clears throat> new york city has come alive and must fight a parasitic enemy from another dimension or face extinction through gentrification bam pow Darn, I was hoping Erica would give us a whoop I know, like a zap or something. <laughs> Y'all, I said bam really quietly. I said bam. Oh. <laughs> well, that's that for that. We'll be dropping our upcoming reads in the show notes if you want to read along for next time. Coming up, we've got The Duke and I, Transcendent Kingdom, and Ready Player One by Ernest Klein. We're real friends who read books. I'm Courtney. I'm Mary Page. And I'm Erica. Get to reading. See you in two weeks. Bye. 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 (laughs) Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen. And if you find yourself on Instagram, check out our page at realfriends underscore podcast. We can't forget our special thanks to Brandon Schmunk for our theme music. And thanks for doing the dishes the other night. Much appreciated. We can't, uh, oh my god, the scatting. Get scat. We can scatting. I just like the word. Scat. 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 It's also a term for poop. It is. It's really doing double duty there. <laughs> <laughs>